Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first edition of my new podcast, Putting in the Gutter. My name is Joey Ambrose, and I am a two-sport professional, PGA golf professional, and a PBA bowling professional. I've been in the PBA since 1980. I've uh, been with the PGA. I've uh, been a golf professional since 2000. been a PGA member since 2004. I'm quite honored to uh, do both and have my careers actually just be both things. Uh, so this podcast is really just going to talk mostly about golf and bowling, uh, different facets of both. And uh, I'll talk about other sports and other things going on, of course. I will have guests. I will have phone-ins and interviews and also uh, take questions by email or any comments that you might have. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, uh, you can email me at joeambrose at pga.com, and I would be more than happy to uh, answer questions uh, on the podcast or privately, whichever you decide you want me to do. Uh, the reason I decided to do this, uh, I have been an NCAA coach along with some of the other things I've done in my life. I just retired uh, in July of 2023. Uh, I was a women's bowling coach at a few schools. I was a women's golf coach. I was a men's golf coach uh, for 17 years total. So I have some knowledge of the PGA, uh, the PBA, the evolutions of both, uh, the NCAA, some of the things that go on there, uh, some of the things now with all the, uh, the changes to NCAA recruiting with the NLIs and and, uh, oh, man, the, the transfer portal and just all the things that um, are just involved with uh, college sports in general. Uh, so we'll be talking about all of that. Uh, today's focus will definitely be golf and bowling, uh, probably mostly golf. So I'm going to my kind of title for this one is like, how did we get here? Like here it is 2024. How the heck did the PGA tour evolve and how did professional golf evolve into a worldwide game? Basically um, you can go as far back as you want, but really some of the things that are going on now really started with the King with Arnold Palmer uh, going over to the British open for the first time in 1960 and uh, you know, using his, uh, popularity as a player and just the kind of person he was, he convinced, uh, you know, guys like Nicholas and player and, and whatnot that it was fashionable to go over to Europe and play golf. And like, there was, you know, great courses over there and there was great players over there and we needed to try to expand and grow the game, uh, going forward. So, uh, that's really how it started. And here, 64 years after that, now we have uh, <laughs> so many professional tours. Um, I looked at last week's schedule. Uh, the PGA Tour was in Mexico. The LPGA was in Thailand. Uh, the DP World Tour, which used to be the European Tour, was in Kenya. The Champions Tour, the Senior Tour, was in Morocco. And this coming week, the Live Tour, which you know we'll discuss that later, uh, the live tour is in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so it's like, we're kind of all over the place now. Um, 
Palmer was also instrumental in starting a golf channel. So uh, a lot of us get our information from there. Uh, there's all kinds of events on there, uh, instruction, uh, tournaments of the past, stuff like that. And it, it's just really uh, amazing to me, you know, being 63 years old myself, how all this stuff has evolved over the many decades and uh, and just how we got here. So, so I'll kind of like touch on a few things today, but uh, going forward, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of discussions about it. Uh, the question I get asked as a golf professional most is, you know, what do you think of the live tour? And I don't dislike it. Um, I don't like the formats they do. And I don't like uh, the fact that there's, you know, you're basically starting a new tour with something completely different. Uh, you know, shotgun starts, team golf, <laughs> uh, stuff that we've never really seen before at that kind of level. And, um, the guys that are running that just have infinite amounts of money and, um, offered a lot of our best players on the PGA tour, big, big, big contracts. And they all signed them. Uh, of course, I'm sure we've all, we would all love to have one tour where everybody can compete and the best players would compete all the time. But now that we have, you know, basically generational money being shelled out um, by by the Live Tour. Uh, I can't blame guys. I can't blame Mickelson for signing for a couple hundred million. I can't blame, uh, you know, Ian Poulter or Charles Howell or John Rahm for six hundred million. Uh, you know, and there was talk they owed, they offered uh, Hideki Matsuyama. 400 million and they probably offered tiger most likely around a billion dollars. Uh, tiger and Rory McIlroy are probably the only two players, uh, that, you know, with that kind of power and that kind of prestige that said, no, that said, we're not doing it. We're, we're, uh, you know, we're faithful to the PGA tour and what the PGA of America stands for. And that's, uh, that's where they decided to go. So it's, it's really cool to see um, to see how all this stuff has has played out, and I'd really be interested, you know, by email Joe Ambrose at PGA dot com to see what you all think. Uh, you know, the Live Tour, PGA Tour, should there be a way back for some of these guys? You know, there's a lot of talk about a merger uh, between the three bodies that are running, you know, PGA and PIF and and the DP world tour and, and whatnot, and trying to get everybody together on the same stage. Um, to be honest, in my own opinion, I don't think that's ever really going to happen. Uh, I don't think you can let the guys that made the, the fair decision to go to live. Uh, you can't just let them come back with no penalty. And uh, I, ju I just don't agree with that. There has to be something and you have to compensate all the players that, that stayed, you know, here in America. Um, on the other side of that, uh, having live and having an alternate tour has given some guys that you never would have seen and maybe never would have gotten a chance to uh, shine in the limelight. You know, we'll never know that uh, because all of a lot of our stars left. You know, we had other guys that stepped up and the PGA tour is different now. Uh I admit that I was one that watched it all the time and followed 
the money lists and uh, world ranking points and all that stuff. And I really don't do it as much now because uh, I I just don't, you know, I still watch the PGA events on good courses. You know, I watch Pebble Beach and, uh, you know, I'll watch this coming weekend uh, at PGA National, you know, when Nicholas had an involvement, you know, the bear trap is cool, 15, 16, 17. It's just a great place to watch golf, but I don't... Uh, I don't watch PGA Tour religiously anymore, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Uh, really, the next tournament where we're going to have everyone is the Masters, and the Masters is um, basically their own event. It's run by them. Um, they invite who they want. They have their own criteria. Um, they have enough power to do what they want, and it's the only major that's held at the same golf course every year. So all of us are really, really familiar with Augusta. You know, we, we know all the holes. We know number 12 is, you know, probably, you know, we've seen crazy things happen on that part three and 13, you know, the way it's shaped. And uh, we, we just know all the holes and it's just a, a really cool event. All the other majors bounce around all over the place. Um, the Open Championship is probably... The other event where you would most likely see more of the, the players from now um, all together in one spot. U.S. Open, you won't because you have to qualify through, through, US, through USGA for that. And, um, and the PGA Championship, you won't because you need to be a PGA member to play in it. So uh, it, it's really, really changed. Um, I'm curious going forward, like, you know, maybe in 10, 20 years, are we going to be talking about the live tour? Is it going to be, that's, is that what we're going to call everything? Is there going to be a merger? Is it going to go the way that the USFL did in football and just disappear? Uh, we really don't know what's going to happen, but uh, the one thing that's just for sure though, is the guys that got paid to go to live are going to get to keep the money and, that is a giant, uh, giant thing in their in their back pocket, and um, and they had to make a decision before they signed those contracts. Like, am I okay with giving up the PGA Tour and the Ryder Cup and everything else uh, to do this? And you know what? Somebody offered me two hundred, three hundred million dollars. Most likely, I'm going to sign it. Uh, I'd probably get questioned, and uh, I'm sure some of my friends wouldn't be happy about it, but. Um, when you get enough money or enough wealth, I guess, to, to be able to do what you want in life, you know, to spend more time with your family and spend more time doing things that you want to do, uh, I guess you really have to think about it. Um, if you think back to the early days of the PGA Tour, you know, back in this, you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s, think about the television coverage too. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I remember watching, you know, all the celebrities started the PGA Tour. You know, Danny Thomas, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, uh, all those guys. And, and they used those guys, uh, Jackie Gleason, they used those guys to help develop all those tournaments, you know, having programs with celebrities and help bring interest to the game. And, um, and also at that time, if you remember, uh, tournaments weren't on four days. We didn't have guys sitting around a round table on the golf channel from Monday through Thursday talking about, 
you know, the golf course and what's going on and uh, all the different facets of the game that we know now that we didn't know then. We They would come on TV for an hour, hour and a half, and uh, and show like four holes, 15, 16, 17, 18, that was it. At that time in the 70s, when I grew up, uh, the PBA was way more popular than golf was. Uh, the Pro Bowlers Tour owned Saturday afternoons. I can remember all the shows I watched when I was a kid. I remember why, you know, that's where I first saw Dick Weber and Earl Anthony and all the greats of the game. Uh, and I went out on tour myself uh, in 1980 and got to bowl against some of those guys. And I, and I found out very quickly I was not as good as I thought I was. But I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't trade it uh, for anything, the experience of doing that. Uh, you know, on and off for like six years, you know, from ages 20 to 26. It was just so cool. Um, and we don't, and even though the PBA still does well today and, you know, it's on, you know, cable networks and, and streaming and whatnot. And, and the PBA tour has a lot of star power. I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys that, um, that people recognize, but it's, it's just so different. Uh, everything is just so different now than it was, um, uh, back in those days. And like I said, how do we get here? There's a long journey in there. Um, so over the coming, uh, podcast, we'll be discussing some of that. And, uh, like I said, I was going to make the first one kind of short, uh, not get into too many details about things. Uh, I'll save that for other podcasts, but, uh, if you want to email me, please do, uh, Joe Ambrose at PGA.com. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions that come up. And uh, I'd love to hear what you guys think of this. Uh, you can leave reviews uh, when you listen to it on your favorite podcast uh, network. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye.